0: Hello and welcome to Planet A. Because we have no planet B, my name is Annie Bowling. Today we are talking about solar energy as a renewable resource, specifically here in Nebraska. We're talking with Graham Christensen. He's the founder and president of GC Revolt, which is a solar energy company based out of Omaha, Nebraska, serving farms, businesses, and urban residences. So thank you so much. Welcome, Graham. Thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you, Annie. I'm glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. So let's start with just a little bit of backstory. Can you you tell us about yourself and how you ended up uh, becoming passionate enough about renewable energy and uh, solar, in this case, and how you started GC Revolt?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's kind of a generational um, evolution, I think, outside of farming and agriculture um, that my family's been involved in. We also go um, pretty far back in energy development within the state of Nebraska. Um, my great grandfather actually was one of the um, political uh, key political figures in my little home area around Burke County, Nebraska, in helping get Franklin Delano Roosevelt's um, Green New Deal package on rural electrification um, out to out to the farms and and um, uh, in in that region of the state and my um, great great uncle actually was the first manager of that work uh, which was the creation of bird county public power district our our rural co-op in that area that um, the rural electrification act um, helped us establish and so moving forward you know looking at my father um, he has an engineering background as well as farming and and actually uh, used some of those skills to do a lot of the wiring of the place. He served on that local Bird County Public Power District Board of Directors, um, currently is on the Board of Directors with Nebraska Public Power Districts in Iran, um, to try to, just like we once, um, you know, uh, had farmers help the, r- the rural co op bring out the telephone um, poles that carried the electricity to our farm. You know, my dad wanted to have a part in helping spread the the alternative energy sources like wind and solar out into rural communities so that we can be part of the emission reduction plan while increasing more opportunities for economic development that are safe um, in our rural areas. And and then my brother is an electrician and um, I've been a huge climate um, advocate and um, climate change fighter for a good chunk of my life now. And and um, and had been engaging on that front, myself personally, more in an educational and sometimes in a uh, governmental or lobbying role, mm-hmm. and trying to further progress alternatives. And then it came to the point where I felt that we needed more uh, hands-on, more, you know, getting um, ourselves, you know, getting the infrastructure actually developed, so getting our hands dirty in the process. We wanted to truly... Be able to impact the policy. So I switched my trajectory from kind of this nonprofit world that did those other things into uh, my, my business mindset and established a uh, business that was to do kind of everything environmental. And now it's called GC Resolve, but after the first year of business, it became obvious that we had a whole separate um, uh, area that was starting to come together around a need in our state uh, and that was that was this development of smaller distributed alternative energy systems to meet the needs of residents, as farmers and and uh, small communities across our state. So started up GC Revolt, um, LLC as a as a contracting company rather than the consulting comp- and communications company that GC Resolve is.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned climate change. That's obviously something that's really um, relevant here. Uh, as a brief, quick recap for listeners, if you don't already know, which you probably do at this point, because it's so talked about, thankfully, these days. Uh, climate change is basically caused by excess greenhouse gases in the atmosphere being released by the burning primarily by the burning of fossil fuels, by uh, such things as coal plants, and so that's why alternative clean energy is important, such as solar energy. Um, alright, so let's talk, let's break it down slowly here, how it works. Uh, could you kind of explain, you know, how the how the energy transfer happens from sun to panels to battery to the uh, building electrical system? Sure.
1: Um, yeah, so think of the solar panels as, as solar collectors. Um, they're designed to grab that, that sunlight and turn it into energy, but the real machine of the system is called an inverter, and the inverter is able to collect the data on how much um, energy that you're actually producing from the panels or those, or, those, or those solar collectors but the inverter also makes the electricity usable um, for for residential customers by helping shift electricity from DC to AC um, voltage. And then, um, essentially, that is what goes into a behind the meter, the electrical meter uh, of your residence or respective farm place. And... So then, um, essentially, you know, these systems can be built on a rooftop or you know, out of a ground-mounted situation, um, depending on what the feasibility and options are for each respective place. And no place is the same; every place is its own piece of art. And and um, and then you use that electricity that you're producing in and, and um, recreating into this usable format in uh, that directly into your system. And so you, if the sun is on, um, if the sunlight is shining outside or even on a partially cloudy day, you're still gonna be pulling in, you know, that sunlight and using that energy first and foremost as part of your house um, or your farm. And if there is a situation where you would produce more energy than what you're using, it would go back on the grid and up to a certain size, a 25 kilowatt size system. Uh, the state does have a law called net metering that allows um, that that um, allows you to receive a net metered credit, uh, um, a, a slightly smaller value than what that wholesale cost of electricity is. Um, that that allows that would allow you to be able to get paid a little bit if you do go extra up to a certain limit. Um, so that's the basic concept. You're you're collecting. You're um, transmitting that electricity. You're converting it, and then you're using it within your system. Um, very, very, very simple concept. Um, you know, on on the cover here.
0: Mm-hmm. So then, what happens if there's not sunshine?
1: If there's not sunshine, then currently, if it's a grid-tied system or a solar panel connected to the existing grid infrastructure, that grid system serves as your battery backup. So if it's not producing enough sunlight to power everything that's going on, uh, then, the, then the electricity grid that you're already plugged into takes over and produces that excess electricity. And you still have to pay for those on your electrical bill. Um, but, of course, since you're offsetting a bunch of other energy with your solar production, you know, your, your bills go way down. And, and the goal is really on these behind-the-meter systems to offset as much electricity as you possibly can in order to get kind of the best bang for the buck um, and, of course, you know, um, produce the least amount of emissions possible by pulling from a grid that uh, is is, um, powered more and more by wind and solar, but but still in large part of coal plants and and some nuclear in, in this part of the state.
0: Got it. And I think I read on your website that if there's sunshine during the day, that the system can store energy from the day and then use it at night. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. So now, as you've heard more about Tesla battery walls and and other kinds of lithium technology battery backup for storage, we're starting to utilize those systems. They've come down in cost a lot over the last several years. We're starting to utilize those systems as the primary backup source prior to using the grid, which allows you to produce more clean energy, pump that into the grid, and then when the sun is not shining at full throttle or in the nighttime, you pull from the battery, um, from the energy that you've stored in the battery system. And, And so you're continuing to have clean energy, you're having a more secure system with... With outages and, you know, for a lot of the folks out there that have some kind of uh, storage systems in place, they're starting to look at a lot more battery systems as well just to make sure that no little outage will, will um, you know, shut things down. Um, and if you have product, of course, you know, you don't want the product to, to go bad. And so, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a, those are the reasons that more people are using the battery system. Um, and it's a really exciting time because it looks like this is giving us like, a lot more autonomy and control over how we use our energy so that we can both use it in a clean way but also be you know do it in a way that's economically responsible and efficient um, in our in our very own lives.
0: Cool. Can you quantify for us like how much storage we're talking that you can later use?
1: You design it based on kind of what the size Uh, what your size needs are or what your usage is Mm -hmm. uh, at your place. So if you wanted a battery system, we would try to offset as much of that usage as possible, um, but then we had designed the battery system to complement, you know, that amount so that hopefully you would virtually, you would pretty much never use the grid um, anymore. And that's, you know, that's typically what most folks' goal is, is to pull from, you know, their own production 100% of the time. And the battery, you know, let, allows you to be able to do that. So it's totally depending on the size and scale of your application, your residence, your farm, your business, or, mm-hmm. or your community. But what I will say is that there's just every year there's so much more diversity in the different sizes that we can do. Um, the city of Norfolk right now, for example, is developing the first uh, battery of uh, Lithium battery backup system with their community solar project. Uh, it's really cool. Burke County Public Power has also uh, announced a um, a uh, uh, permit um, with to be able to do the same thing at in the, at that rural electric co- cooperative level. With back in our home area, and it's pretty common for us to, as a company, to develop the battery systems um, that are more compatible with you know, residences um, in, you know, all across the state as well. Mm. So uh, there really is starting to be, and, and I guess furthermore, the other cool thing is um, I'm starting to hear a more conversion of old coal plants across the Rust Belt um, from Ohio down to Kentucky that are retrofitting with solar panels and even significantly larger battery systems than, than the one I mentioned um, in uh, Norfolk, for example. So uh, there's really is starting to become a size uh, for everybody on lithium battery systems. And the residential systems, um, you know, are have finally kind of dipped down into that area where a lot of people are choosing to go all solar with that lithium battery backup to meet their both uh, environmental and, and economical um, goals.
0: Cool. Um, it's exciting. It is exciting. It really is. It's, it's so cool that it's becoming much more accessible I think and and mainstream and understood and um and you have some so many really great photos of past projects that you've done on on gcrevolt.com and so it really does show how unique it is per <laughs> property per mm-hmm. project that it really is custom made so if somebody wants to get started on this or they're curious i i, I see that they can contact you go to that website find your information and get a a get a quote. After that, you know, if somebody decides to go forward with this, what kind of installation, like what is the, what does it kind of look like starting out? It looks like you can do, like you said, either the ground mounted or have them put on the, the rooftop. And then also what kind of changes happen inside the home, if any, like the battery probably is what is uh, the main thing.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, it starts out with the conversation on understanding the, um, kind of month-to-month flow of electricity usage and you're going into your home that you're currently using when you turn stuff on um, that the, uh, require electricity. So, you know, we under, we work with the customer to understand, you know, what their trends are um, for electrical usage. That's going to give us our size goal, at least to strive for. Um, and then we often to match the customer's budget with that size goal. We shoot for the top and, and um, you know, fits, And and then next, take into consideration what that looks like in the budget, as well as feasibility uh, or prep and or preference of if they are looking at a roof or a ground mounted system. Um, So those are, you know, we kind of, we do, we, we love to um, try to like, you know, meet our customers' goals, whatever they may be, um, as long as things are feasible, of course, and that's where we come in. And then after we've had those conversations and we have a design um, a- agreed upon, we put the equipment um, that meet the customer's goals into place. Um, we have some very standard stuff that we like to use, but we have great flexibility in how we can go about doing this if there are preferences. Um, so it's kind of like, I, I always think of it like a little piece of art. You have to put all these things, you have to take into consideration the, the people that you're working for, and then you have to design something cool that fits um, within all that system and within these the customers goals and um, you come up with a pretty good conceptual idea what it is you you start you fill out an agreement called an interconnection agreement with the with the utility and make sure you have their permission to plug in um, to their their uh, grid if you're not using the battery system I guess or if you are using a battery system and um, at that point then the installation um, essentially would begin after the proposal has completely been agreed upon. Um, Once installation begins, it goes by as a very quick process. Um, The longest step typically is just getting the uh, equipment landed um, from wherever we're pulling that equipment from onto the site, or onto our site to to haul out to the site. And then once that equipment has landed in either of those places, uh, we start into construction and so, um, you know, obviously a ground mounted situation, you know, with foundation, um, and, um, and racking that, that's uh, tightly, you know, um, integrated into the ground is going to look a lot different than what a roof structure would be. Um, so if it's in the ground, you, you are going to be either putting, burrowing augers, um, down to hold that sucker into place or. Uh, potentially concrete footings, um, and and more and more people are are just pounding posts into the ground, uh, and you build up the rack, you lay the panels, you lay them then you click on the inverters, and then you lay the wire down, and the, it's the same process, you know, the underground wire that goes from the system to your essentially your house. Um, and the only difference is on a roof mount is that you're fastening into a roof structure, um, you know, using a process that ensures that you don't have leaky roofs type issues, uh, and then, um, of course, the only other thing with the, with the house in either application is that you would have an electrician also working within the house in your electrical box to make sure there's um, circuit breakers added that can give you the ability to shut down the system inside. You also have a, a disconnect um, that's accessible from the outside and close to the system um, for an emergency shutoff um we've never had a problem and needed to use those but these are required by the electrical code um so we abide and make the safest units uh, uh, as um, per the process that the state requires us and then to ensure that happens after it's all set up after these things are all done um, the electrical inspector comes comes out to the site and gives us the, the passing grade and then we fire that sucker up and and um you know these people are part of the you know the emission reduction solution, just like that.
0: And then the the projects obviously that that your company handles just widely vary from residences to farms to large, large projects. Um, but maybe speaking in terms of uh, sticking with res- residential, if somebody's interested in this and they're concerned about the costs, I mean, it sounds like there's definitely going to be savings every month on their energy bills for sure. That's that's a huge <laughs> pull from it. But what about the costs up front? Are there, um, what kind of assistance is out there or, or what do you tell people who are concerned about being able to afford the actual panels?
1: Yeah. Well, the cost up front is probably the largest um, challenge. There is an up front, you know, kind of down payment cost, but... Um, A lot of folks have utilized, in order to uh, balance that out uh, into much smaller payments, um, they're utilizing a program that is housed in the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy, um, which is combined Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality and the Energy Office of the state. Um, They've combined now their offices, and so this NDEE is the acronym. They have a low-interest financing program that, that allows the bank to pay the upfront um, needed to get the project going and, and they essentially amortize and finance this project over a 10-year period of time. Um, there's cash that goes with this program housed in the state um, that, that um, goes to the bank that's finance your bank that's financing this project to lower the interest rate so you have a very minimal interest rate um, and don't accrue a lot of interest over that time. And at that point in time, that 10-year mark, that's about when that project is completely paid. So you're essentially um, saving a ton of money on your electricity bills. You're taking that money and you're shifting it into payments to the bank on this low-interest program. The project's been paid off 10 years uh, in 10 years when that loan ends and then all of a sudden you don't have any more payments um, for electricity, you know, minus a few, a few bucks here and there. Um, when the energies did not exactly align, and it's, that's how that's how you can go about doing this with not having the big upfront costs. And we have a lot of folks that participate in that program. It's a good program, and we thank uh, former Senator Ken Har uh, of the of the rural Lincoln area, um, who, as a state senator, was able to get that bill passed so that more people could participate in solar development. And I also um, should mention that there's a nonprofit called Nebraska for Solar, and for um, uh, nonprofit-type entities, uh, they're starting to team up with those nonprofits who can't access that tax credit, which is also a big boost um, for for, um, uh, residential customers or businesses, Um, but they're teaming up with the nonprofits, and and helping them lower the cost on their solar projects of their dream. And so we're starting to see a, a little bit more of an increase in focus on nonprofits to, to move towards that area, too. So thanks to the no, thanks, thanks to the nonprofit, uh, Nebraska for Solar.
0: And then one more thing about the savings per month that people are absolutely seeing with a uh, solar energy system integrated into their business or home or farm Uh because you mentioned there could be reimbursements by, um, at least in Nebraska, there's a law for that. And so is it the case that some people, at least like in the summer maybe, when it's often sunny most of the time, are um, not having any electricity bill or even getting getting paid back? Like what kind of savings are we talking about per month, maybe on a residential level again?
1: Yeah, um, I would say, I mean, if if you're paying it's easy to believe in nebraska that well okay first of all let's take this in the summer you have more solar that you're gonna you know sun that you're gonna grab in the summer um than you would in the winter time so the very standard application if you don't have um you know uh, electric heat if your heat is say run off gas or something else um, which is you know extremely common you're probably gonna use most energy when the air conditioner is on in the summer and the least energy in the winter. Um, and so that curve that curve matches very easily to being able to offset the majority of your energy even when there's less hours of sunlight. Now if you have electric heat, probably in all honesty, unless you get a battery system, are not gonna be able to compensate for that increase in energy to produce that solar heat. So if you size the project just a hair bigger you could get some more additional net metering credits that you could offset that um, energy, you know, that you had in excess in the wintertime. So it just depends um, on each application, you know, because as we've discussed, every application is different. Everybody's site is different. Everybody's energy usage is a little bit different. And, you know, you just have to take into all those considerations. But you should know in February, you're not gonna pull as much sunlight as you are in July um obviously and um and so these are things that we have to take into consideration now that being said even on an overcast day you know i'm looking out the window right now and it's partly cloudy outside so we don't have full sunlight but we have partial sunlight and we're still probably going to pull about half of the energy that we would typically pull on a day like that or a little bit more if it's a little more lower hanging cloud system um a little bit darker gloomier february day with some snowstorms you're going to pull even less energy you know than that and but what is what is good is we've had weather stations tallying this stuff in all parts of nebraska for years and years and years so we know the approximate solar radiation that comes into this area of the country um you know every month and every year and we use that to plan around how much we can offset and we can know what we can't and what we can And then we just, you know, you got to be realistic with the customers so they know exactly what's going on and can make the best decision for themselves, um, you know, no matter what their primary objective or goal is.
0: Cool. All right. And also on your website, you mentioned that more Nebraska communities are switching to um, alternative power sources for their electrical grid to power their community. And I think you already mentioned this, but could you uh, maybe again mention an example of that here in Nebraska?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I had mentioned North Fork and I mentioned the rural electric co-op that's implementing solar and battery storage, but um, I've, I've, been a ta- I've developed a community system in Walt Hill, Nebraska, northeast Nebraska on the Oma- in the Omaha Nation. Um, we are working on uh, preliminary conversations in the village of Emerson, also in northeast Nebraska. Um, one of our partners recently developed a project in Fremont, Nebraska, a big community project in Fremont. Um, other folks have developed in Lexington, Gothenburg, Kearney, Scottsbluff, Bluff, uh, and, of course, Omaha Public Power District just announced a big request for proposals last year, at the beginning of last year, for the largest solar project in the state, utility scale, um, big guy at 300 megawatts. know most a lot of my development uh, most of my development comes in the kilowatt form you know and a megawatts a thousand times a kilowatt so we're talking a huge project for omaha um there have um projects shortlisted for that so um and of course lincoln's done a little bit of solar in the past um you know and and, uh it, it may be time for them to catch up a little bit but it sounds like there is ongoing talks about how to best go about that as well which is super encouraging uh, Nebraska is becoming a great leader in, in alternatives, both wind and solar, uh, but there has been a ton of interest recently from communities of all sizes in our state to do that little bit larger um, community scale size. And I'm really excited about what the future holds for Nebraska being a, a leader in alternative energy production and once again, having a bigger role to play and the overall goal that we have to strive for um, right now, which is emission drawdown. Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. And uh, again, on your website it says, the results for the villages and towns that move toward energy independence, I love that, energy independence, include lower and more stable future electricity prices, energy security, water savings, and zero greenhouse gas emissions. what do you mean by uh, future electricity prices being stable?
1: Well, you're on the spot market, you know, with natural gas and you know, similarly the market on coal is pretty volatile. It goes up and down a lot. But when you do a wind or a solar project, um, you lock in rates um, upfront. You would typically in a power purchase agreement contract with a big company or utility would have depending on what the request is, some form of escalation that ties kind of to the inflation factor over time. And so you know exactly what you're contracting for your price of energy for as long as that project is contracted, you know, to produce energy for. Um, So that means that, yes, alternatives are now, first of all, alternatives are now the lowest cost form of energy, Whoop whoop. And um, (laughs) but um, second second of all is that we know exactly what those prices are going to be so it's much easier for the utilities to plan over time that portion of the energy portfolio as they're, you know, dra- um, drawing out what the rates will be that come to you on your on your bill, your electrical bill.
0: Excellent. I have two more questions for you. Um, since folks are needing to still h- rely on a backup system instead of entirely on solar, because there's not 100% solar availability all the time. Um, So what is like the long-term vision for you that you see? Do you just kind of see solar continuing to intermingle and be a leader as an alternative and important main energy source and also continue the use on a more minimal uh, front with, with nuclear and such? Like what would you see that kind of energy relationship being in the future? Well, if you look just purely economics,
1: um, you know, large-scale wind is the lowest cost. Big solar has gotten right down there, you know, n- number two, neck and neck with coal. Coal's starting to slide a little bit on cost competitiveness. And and old nuclear is expensive, um, but, like, new nuclear is not feasible economically. And mm-hmm. so the realistic, you know, matter uh, or situation that we live in is that coal is going away it's, doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons, economic nor environmental. New nuclear is not attainable um, in the near future, uh, and I don't that trend could last longer than just the near future. And batteries, though, are becoming less expensive, and so continuously are the, these alternative energy options. And so it looks to me that we're going to gradually phase out um, coal and old nuclear. And we're going to start moving towards more integration of um, uh, the alternative, the emission pre alternative energies, and wind and solar. And we're going to start, you know, we're going to continue to advance battery systems, the ability for bigger battery systems to be a part of the solution, and things will head in that direction. I um, unfortunately um, n- know that there is a thought process of natural gas. Um, also you know being a part of the transition um, and these initial stages if we want deployment of alternatives at a hundred percent or going as aggressively as we can there may be a short-term window left for natural gas because there's more flexibility on how that pairs with alternatives Um, but I think technology is going to allow us to move past that Um, you know and I think that conversation gets real serious in about a decade um, is my hope there. And then um, at that point, there could be advanced conversations on nuclear, um, smaller, more distributed nuclear, but I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there. this seems to be that um, we're gearing uh, for, you know, an all-alternative-based future, and now it's just making that transition economically and safely. Mm-hmm. And so if we can all just, like, be committed to um, that kind of, like, transition on the day-to-day, you know, progressing in that area, um, we're soon going to be in a position where we're no longer reliable on the fossil sources. And I mean, obviously, for the sake of this conversation and your show and just what's right, that's where we have to get. So um, things are moving very rapidly right now, um, and there's still some folks in, you know, some utility arenas, um, although not all of them, not even in our state. Um, but that, you know, don't understand these economic trends, um, don't understand maybe the urgency that we have to deal with on emission drawdown, um, but <laughs> you're, you're seeing more that do, and those folks are making plays. And um, Omaha's example is going net zero um, and adding this big chunk of solar, LES's real recent initiative to go net zero, um, you know, even with this massive monolith uh, project down by Hallam under NTBD's territory um, where their huge expansion is all going to be alternative, the companies coming into our cities um, like Google, Facebook would be examples um, are demanding alternative power to even relocate here. Um, the future looks bright for solar and, and it looks good for wind. And so um, it's going to be up to all of us, though, to basically see that through um, and make sure that this happens as safely, but yet within that reliable and safe mechanism as aggressively as humanly possible. And I think even though, um, you know, some utilities haven't figured this out, you're seeing others that have um, that are providing great leadership in these areas, um, they're going to pull those folks with. And, you know, uh, honestly, if they can't adapt the time, economics will drive them out of the business eventually and we don't want that so um we need to help try to help them transition along with some of the other more progressive utilities that are doing those kind of things um now this is very exciting um but we have a little bit of work to do yet you know and and um time also uh is not on our side but um so we have to push the agenda but you know we still have to be able to be realistic about what's going on and and um uh we're in a great offensive position all of a sudden. Um and we need to get the ball in the end zone. And so in order to do that we're gonna have to strive to be more on that aggressive side. So um I would like to see, you know, being completely net zero emissions by the utilities prior to the two thousand forty and fifty respective goals. I'm shooting hard to get this in place more by two thousand thirty if possible, 2035 to 40 if we have to. Um, But, hey, we're in the right direction now. It's going to be up to to us as owners of the public power system to ensure that our utilities in the state um, continue to head in that direction. And and, um, and, uh, so it's game on
0: well just lastly what what would you love to see from the public as far as getting involved and putting putting pressure on their local communities to continue to move in this direction whether it be at a state level with policy making or um, uh, public power districts making changes is there anything you'd recommend or love to see from members of the public
1: absolutely Uh, we've had legislation over the last six years, over which was three legislative sessions, asking for the utilities to stop over-regulating the ability for small businesses. So we have the net metering program for residences, but it stopped at a larger residential size, which means the small and mid-sized businesses don't truly really have a um, clear guidelines. Um, under their utility on how they can be able to be a part of the drawdown solution, um, you know, from their their business operations, um, whether they're in Omaha, Lincoln, or in small town, um, Nebraska. And so we would, um, when I say we, there's a large coalition that's been talking about this for years, of, of, um, of um, thoughtful people that have been asking for us to be able to expand the size that's allowed under the net metering program. So those small businesses and mid-sized businesses can also now partake in the solution. Um, we have been met with tremendous resistance, and, and um, in many cases, in my opinion, um, folks that uh, have not been able to shoot straight, um, have not followed through on promises, um, uh, you know, in large parts from the rural electrification world, um and so this has to be updated and modernized this is over regulation and people are being prohibited from being a part of the solution so 25 to 100 kilowatt um size projects need to be allowed to uh, participate in that net metering program and then the other and that's a state policy opportunity Um, but we just the problem is we just have not had an environmentalist um, since we lost ken that's really um, mm. taking up kind of that environmental flag. And so we need a true leader in the legislature now more than ever to advance these initiatives, and I haven't seen it. And so we're looking for you um, if you're listening out there because we have all kinds of good ideas, and I'll just share one more. Um, currently, uh, Nebraska Public Power District, in many of its contractual arrangements with people that purchase energy, whether it's the rural electric co-op, For a municipal um, town or community that's independent, their contract with Nebraska public power district would say that you can only do 10% alternative energy within your um, municipality or rural electric uh, cooperative territory. That is extremely restrictive. Like we already know we can do safely and reliably more than ten percent energy. Are uh, are you know we're looking at net zero emissions by 2040 or 50 in two big utilities, and we think this is realistic. So why are we being contracted to only allow ten percent alternative energy per you know each one of these entities under Nebraska Public Power District? Well, I know the Rural Electric Association is putting a lot of pressure on them not to be able to um, increase those, but other communities are getting really upset. And in northeast Nebraska, you've seen some communities disband from public power in part because of this this piece of not being able to have more leeway or free movement to be able to develop more alternative energy systems. There's got to be something done to take that 10% over, you know, um, uh, that 10% allowance of renewable energy in these contractual arrangements and get that up. It could be contractual on good faith by the utilities, but we're in 2021 now, and we still haven't seen any real movement on that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the legislature to try to make a move on that when we have the, the environmental leader um, or leaders, hopefully, that we're, that we're looking for to help put Nebraska into the driver's seat uh, across our whole great nation um, uh, in this overall solution-oriented business position all around uh, of course good economics but but the number one primary goal which is drawdown.
0: Mm -hmm. right? Well I know there's so much more I could talk to you about your you've got your hands in wind energy and regenerative agriculture and (laughs) you're a busy guy and um, not to mention policy and climate change and everything that goes under those umbrellas. So is there anything else you'd like to add about solar energy as a solution in Nebraska?
1: Yes, the security, the energy independence or the security piece shouldn't be overlooked. Um, And and solar has a huge role in national security. And Mm. rather than having more susceptible, easily targeted, um, centralized, energy producers like the coal and nuclear plants we're used to um which were great technologies for their time but you know are starting to say that phase out as not being the best options we have uh, we're less penetratable if we have more distributed systems all over the country um that mean if something were to get you know taken down whether it's a hacker on the grid or, or you know whether it's it's a a targeting of an energy producer we still have energy generation going on all over the place so this is the other thing that i really really appreciate about alternative energies is that they secure our country they secure our electricity source and they ensure that you know weather volatile climate conditions terrorism type attacks um you know all of these things that we hope you know never really hit here um, we still have to take these things into consideration because time shows us and history shows us that these things happen. And um, solar and alternative, solar and wind, and, and alternate and batteries, um, they are a huge part of the solution to be able to to secure up our, our nation on the on the energy uh, infrastructure and, and grid side of things. And so I'm a, and I think um, I'm excited, you know, to think about um, you know just to improving the quality of lives and security of that that alternatives will continue to bring as we get more of them implemented in a distributed fashion instead of the kind of more old-fashioned and overly centralized um, system that we're migrating away from now.
0: Excellent. I'm so glad you added that. Thank you. All right. Anything else?
1: No, that would be it. Um, Just a shout-out to all all the good listeners of the program out there. Thank you for having interest in this issue. Thank you for your overall interest. You know, and, and hey, this is um, planet A. There is not a B and that we need to preserve this. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful for you, your program, and, and people like you. So everybody, it's a team effort. Keep it up. Um, we got a long ways to go, but there are very promising signs as we uh, pull into 2021 here.
0: Well said. Thank you so much. That was Graham Christensen. He is the founder and president of GC Revolt, a solar energy company out of Omaha, Nebraska, serving farms, businesses, urban residences, and more. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure.
0: (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh man, solar energy for the win! Right, that was that was so interesting and fun. I really appreciate Graham for his time, and his obvious passion and uh, organizing and advocacy activism. Um, dedication. It's just really clear just by talking to him, but also with the multiple projects that he has beyond solar too. But even just within solar on gcrevolt.com, you can scroll and scroll and scroll through the past projects that he's done. Uh, Plus they do some really large projects, including, it mentions teaming up with large alternative energy development companies to do some really big things like a 3,000 acre territory for a 300 or more megawatt solar farm. And I'm sorry we didn't have time to talk about that, but you can you can read more on gcrevolt.com. And I know he's on Instagram as well. And uh, I hope we did emphasize how important it is as a solution to our changing climate and our just really dangerous um position we're finding ourselves in by the choices and outdated technology that we are continuing to use for especially energy production uh, in terms of burning fossil fuels, which is creating too many greenhouse gases, which is creating a warmer planet, which is creating a changing climate. And um, it's complicated from there, you know, and it's, It's really, really important, and it's uh, a little scary. And so when you hear about these solutions, it's really exciting and reassuring, frankly, and uh, really important. So I hope you gained a lot from that or took something from it where you, you learned or you're excited or maybe you want to get involved. The legislative session starts today, actually, on January 6th. So... We'll see what happens this time around here in Nebraska. Thanks for listening. This is Planet A because we have no Planet B. Thanks for supporting your community radio station. This is KZUM and KZUMHD. My name is Annie Bowling, and we will catch you next time. Take care.